right. We did it. We got everything set up. Welcome to Art Fight Podcast, and we welcome Jeff Coffin, the great Jeff Coffin. Joe Nolan, thanks for being with us, of course, because Cheers. this show is nothing without you. You are the, my, uh, I always called, uh, Jeff, I always Cheers. called Joe my sensei. He's, mm. I call him Sensei Joe. And uh, Jeff sounds doubtful. Jeff's like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> but you know, like, know. do you know how sometimes you just know that certain people are just better people than you are? Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, no matter what it is that you ever yeah. aspire to or whatever you really believe in your greatest uh, dreams that you can achieve, there's just certain people you know, like, I got, I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I get nothing on him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like both of you guys are that to me. You're sort of aspirational friends of mine. So thanks for being here, Jeff. Ew. What's going on? Yeah, I thought for a second you were going to say, Joe's not that guy, but have you ever come across him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, his, I'm Brian's placeholder. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I'd, I've really been wanting to have you on for a minute anyway, Jeff. And obviously, you've been super busy. Usually, you know, so Jeff, I consider you one of my best friends. And all that being said, I've seen you probably three times in the last probably five years, and so I just wanted to yeah. pub- I just wanted to get you out in public and call you. No, no, I remember I remember at least two of those. I don't remember the third one. But <laughs> I do remember the last two. It meant that much. No, but uh, <laughs> but just the idea that you're on the road all the time and one of the busiest people that I know, and not like there's busy people that are just busy. I'm busy. I you know. They create this kind of hysterical sort of frenzy around them that's just of, of feigned busyness. But you're actually all over the world all the time, nonstop mm-hmm. travel. And then when you get home, I have so many uh, you know other friends like this too. This is such a Nashville problem, you know, or a challenge where a lot of your friends are road like on the road all the time. And so then when they are home, like when you do get home, and I get a sense that you know you're like, oh, you know, we should catch up when I get back. And it's like by the time you get back, I'm like, you don't. I don't want to bother anybody. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard to come off the road for, you know, and then you have, you know, a lot of people to see a lot of things to do, a lot of home to reabsorb. So anyway, now that all this is, you know, now that the world has uh, turned inside out since, you know, as cliche as it is, I'd love to just sort of check in and see how you've been doing with, with all this. And I, I know that you've been starting your own live stream program and all this, you know, I want to get into that, but, uh, but just generally what's it been, man, how you've been feeling generally, uh, if you know what day it is or whatever. Yeah. It's, you don't know what day it is. <laughs> what day? Oh, Thursday It's Thursday, right? Yes. I wish I had like a, you know, a bell sound or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I got something somewhere. Like I'll figure it out later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's everything has actually been pretty good, man. You know, I mean, there's, you know, as far as like the time that I've been at home, the world is falling apart around us, which is horrific on every level. But that's kind of uh, there's a lot of sides to this. That's one of the that's one of the sides to this. But for for me personally, having this time at home has been really good. I mean, I've been I've been really hunkered down. I'm in my studio right now, and, and I've been spending most of my time here writing new material, working on some old material that I haven't had time to get to for years. I'm in the middle of 20-some-odd tunes and and writing more, you know, and, and, and getting a couple of groups together that I want to make music with while I'm home. I'm writing another book, um, mm. a, a book on improvisation, like how to get young players into improvisation. Like how to, it's called Connecting, Connecting the Dots. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, basically, he's taking the mystery out of improvisation, not ah. the not the you know spiritual mystery, of course, but the mystery of like, well, how do I start that? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so with all the hundred, the hundreds of clinics that I've done, the, one of the things in all my students, they always say the same thing, that I need help playing through changes. Hmm. And so this is, this is a method that, that deals with a lot of those particular issues. And uh, I put out an EP during the beginning of the lockdown called Songs of Solitude that featured Victor Krauss mm. on bass. I sent him material, and I got Jordan Pearlson on one tune playing a, a Hajira, which is an Indian frame drum, a small Indian frame drum. And my wife, Laoko, was playing harmonium on one tune. Cool. And, uh, so I did that, and I've been doing sessions for other people, and I've been, I've been starting to offer packages of lessons. Mm-hmm. I'm not home enough to really feel like I can I can do something like that when I'm on the road it's hard to you know hard to commit my time my personal time on the road because it's such a grind even though it's it's the best it can be it's still a grind you know three cities in one day sometimes mm-hmm. and, uh, and and so there's a lot of traveling and, and and sometimes you know you just need downtime but since I'm home for basically a year I can offer these lesson packages and and so I'm doing that I've been mixing some I've been before the lockdown I was recording and helping produce a record for Javon Coelho, a really wonderful saxophonist here in town. I've been writing improvisational flute etudes, which has been really fun. And so I've been, you know, I've just been doing a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've been raising money through this this live stream I've been doing. This is probably the most important thing I've been doing since I've been home. And I started doing it at the very beginning. And you and I talked about this as it was going on. And mm-hmm. and, and you and Mark Montgomery had great advice for me. You were like. Man, just start. Just start it. Get into it. Work out the problems later. And uh, and so you know, when all is said and done, I'll have raised over ten grand for local musicians. Oh, and, right on. Uh, so, so, so when we start going back to being able to play live, which is soon, and I start being able to have musicians back over here doing their live sets, I think I'm gonna start up with one Thursday a week. You know, as opposed to two Thursdays a week. <laughs> right. with, with that would be crazy. <laughs> you just blew my mind. <laughs> so you know i'll be able to uh, pay them like it's a, like it's a gig you know and uh, it's not gonna be like oh here's 20 bucks it's gonna be i'm gonna be able to pay them mm-hmm. and uh, they'll be able to, to still make money on tips and that kind of thing but i'll be able to do that at least once a week you know and we'll have two or three people up here and i'll i'll put into pro tools record it. we'll do a podcast out of it and uh, you know move forward with that that's rad yeah pretty cool yeah it's go ahead joe well, I'm going to dive into something really quick here. Just uh, yeah. if if we don't have to get so totally technical immediately, but but you caught my ear when you're talking about this idea of writing this uh, you know improvisation book about impro- improvising music. Saxophone was also my first instrument, and I learned about music primarily as a young music student who learned how to read and learned how to properly you know handle the instrument and the embouchure and all that sort of formal learning that you do in the early years of you know playing a woodwind or whatever and and i can see how you know you've got to put together all that technical foundation in order to get to a place where you can improvise and at the same time suddenly now you're leaving the you're leaving the score you're leaving the sheet music that you've spent years learning how to read and now you're trying to jump into a place where you can freely express yourself and what a challenge that that can be you know to to sort of take that leap from one to the other and i also hope that you could sort of clarify for people what you mean by by playing through the changes i don't think uh, sure. some of our some of our of our audience are musicians for sure but a lot of them are painters like we were just talking about the painting behind me or mm-hmm. you know martial 
artist. So, so clarify a little bit about what we're talking about technically and tell us a little bit about like, what is the, what is the leap that you have to take to, to become effective at, at, at improvisation? Yeah. So, so, well, that's, that, there's a lot contained in, in, uh, what you're asking. So let me try to a whole book. A evidently. Book. <laughs> <laughs> let me, uh, let me take a little slice at a time. So let, let me first talk about what playing through the changes are. Okay. So most tunes have a predetermined set of chord changes. Like a blues sounds like a blues because it's got a predetermined set of chord changes. So chord changes are made up of notes from a scale. And so it's usually every other note of the scale. So in the key of C, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, right? So if you go C, skip the D, skip the D, go to the E, skip the F, G, skip the A, B, go C, E, G, B. That's a C major seven chord. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you can do this starting on any note of the C major scale. You can do it starting on C. You can start it on D, going every other note. So you go D, skip the E, go to the F. So you have D, F, skip the G, go to the A. D F A, skip the B, go to the C. D F A C, you have D minor. You go up to E, E G B D, F A C E, G B D F, A C E G, B D F A. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so this exists in every scale, major and minor. You have the different modes of the scale, which are the scale starting on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh degree. Okay. And then you have chords that correspond with each of those modes. Mm -hmm. And so. <clears throat> Learning those things is very important. So you're understanding the vertical nature of harmony, okay, which are the chords, what I call the bones, mm -hmm. the skeletal system, okay, mm -hmm. as you're moving along horizontally in time. So it's it's a bit of a grid that we're working with. So so when I'm talking about playing through the changes, I'm talking about understanding the harmony vertically, the arpeggiation notes. That's the chord. The notes of the chords, the arpeggio, the one, three, five, seven is the arpeggio of the chord. So C, E, G, and B natural. That's the arpeggio of the chord. The arpeggio and the chord are one and the same. But when you arpeggiate a chord, it means you're playing them one at a time. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so playing a single line instrument like the saxophone, that's kind of the only way that I can play those chords, is mm -hmm. one at a time. Okay? Mm -hmm. so, so the way that chords lead into one another, so for example, if you, if you take the first two chords of a blues, and let's say that it's in the key of C. So you would have C dominant 7 to F dominant 7. Okay? And so the dominant 7 part is like the quality of the chord. And it's not, really even, it's not really even imperative that you know that yet. But understanding what the notes of the arpeggio are, are very important in understanding how to get to the next chord. Mm -hmm. Right? And so it's called voice leading. So basically you're taking one note from that first chord. Let's say that I take the C. And I know that, that, that the C chord is C, E, G, and B flat. Okay, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna write this out for you actually also because it's it's pretty simple to understand. So if you're thinking of the chord from the bottom up, C E G, B flat, and it keep it keeps going, you know, it keeps going up 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 up, mm -hmm. right? just like on a piano, you know, right. it's like a, it's it's a line, not a line segment. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so the F chord is F A C, E flat. F, A, C, E flat, et cetera, right? Keeps on going up. So let's say that, that I'm playing the C note in the first chord. And I want to move to that next chord. So I know that there's a common tone of C, okay? 
in both of those chords. Okay, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to avoid the common tone. So my voice leading is going to allow me to do one of two things. And I'm going to show you with these arrows. So I can either move up to the next chord tone of the F arpeggio, or I can move down. So that gives me one of two choices. I can either move up to the E flat or down to the A. But the interval has to be the same, or the distance between the notes, the whatever, the range between the notes has to be equivocal, right? The range between the notes. Like, like if they're- You mean the interval? Yes, the intervals, that's what I said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, yeah, the intervals have to be the same whether you go up or down. No, because, because this interval is going to be different than this interval. So you, you have a choice. You can, you can go to the closest one. So from C, right? So, so here, they're both minor thirds. <laughs> but in some chords, they're not going to be that. You mm -hmm. know? All I'm saying is you have a choice of going either up or down without, without using the common tone. Mm -hmm. And so this is voicing. So moving from one chord to the next. So I'm going either C to E flat or C down to the A. And so you do this with each subsequent chord. It's like a, a very basic building block. It's almost like giving a kid a sound of a letter. And, and it's like you're sounding out a word. Okay? So this mm. book that I'm working on takes one chord and then two chords using this voice leading. Okay? How one voice leads to the next. And it, and it shows you the method of getting through and connecting these chords together. That's what's called connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And and so this eventually gets into blues and connecting those chords together. So just using even one note per bar, you can play a really you can play a really presentable solo over a blues. I'm going to show you real quick since you asked. Bring it. And, and I'm just going to use <laughs> I'm just going to use one note. I'm just going to use one note per bar, and I'm going to I'm going to see if you guys can hear this. This is like a BB King solo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so, so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to hear you guys for a second, but you'll be able to hear. So I'm going to, by a thumbs up, tell me if you can hear this this play along track. One okay. second. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to play the track here. Hang on. Can you hear that? I can hear the camera. Okay. Okay. So what I'm going to do is this is just a, a a basic blues, and I am going to play one note per bar doing this voice leading idea uh-huh and uh, and so you'll be able to hear and all i'm going to do is i'm just going to play rhythmically on that one note i'm not going to venture from one note i'm uh -huh. only going to play one note per bar and you'll kind of see how this voice leading thing works So you can, oops. Okay. So you can hear that that you can hear that I'm playing the blues, mm -hmm. you know. But it's it's nothing spectacular. But if you give a student 
one note per bar. If you give them a whole note and you start giving them a call and response, which is what this book is going to be, like I'll be playing, like I'll go one, ba, bee, da, bam, ba, bee, da, mm-hmm. right? It's just imitation, like how we teach kids how to, how to speak. Uh-huh, you know? That's really cool. And so this book goes into this whole kind of this whole process of understanding that it's 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 more involved than what i'm really explaining sure but it's also kind of just what i'm explaining mm-hmm. and so one of the reasons i developed it and and, and i'm mean, still developing it is that like when you go into a band room for example when kids are warming up for jazz band there's there's almost no method that is is available that allows them to kind of learn the bones, the structure of harmony in 12 keys. Mm. <clears throat> I've got students, I've got professional students who I'm working with out of this book already. And, and it's making huge strides for them. They're like, oh, I understand this now. You know? And, and like, I didn't really know what voice leading was until... I don't know. Nobody really explained it to me until a number of years ago, like not long ago. Is I mean, that, I always kind of got it. And then like once I really got it, though, I was like, oh, where was anybody 35 years ago? <laughs> you know, why wasn't this stuff that we why wasn't this information that we were talking about literally in college as a music major, you know? It's like and, you, it's uh, like you uh, found out after years of chemistry that there's this thing called the periodic table. <laughs> right, right. And you're like, good yeah. God, this would have been a yeah. lot easier. Uh huh. So yeah. did, was that is that term voice leading? Is that is that is is that codified in his in sort of educational terms or music terms, mm. or is that something that you kind of pulled, or I mean, where does that come from? No, it's something that that it's it's a term that we use. Some people talk about leading tone melodies that you're using it to, to lead into the next one, which I remember hearing one time at college, but I was too embarrassed to ask what it was because I didn't know. And uh, but it's it's a way of connecting things. So so again, like if if I'm if I'm playing a solo, I want my lines to connect, you know. So if I'm playing a blues. So the lines, you can you can get real angular with stuff, you know. But you can also you can also kind of weave, you know. It's like it's like it's like you're taking a thread and you're putting it through through the rug, one thread all the way through, you know. And that's like that's like doing whole notes all the way through. But eventually, you can have a really colorful tapestry based not only on the notes that you play, but the rhythms that you play them with. Mm-hmm. And uh, the shapes of the phrases, 
the spaces between phrases, the the pauses that occur, the inner breaths, the rhythmic structures, the punctuation, the clarity, all these different elements that that make up a, a language are are absolutely in this, you know. And so so basically this this method is meant to teach improvisation like we're teaching a language. In that I'm actually giving them vocabulary to work on, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes it's just one note. So, so yeah. and to back up a little bit, sort of to the beginning of this, right, in terms of just the question of improvisation. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I mean, back up, please. No, um, <laughs> please, really. No, um, <laughs> just this idea. It seems to me like there's just a lot of unnecessary f- anxiety that a musician might have around improvisation because it's this jumping off of known good places to be and safe places to be and trying to stretch out and emote something you're not following the structure anymore so then what do you say and you know and and, you know for somebody like me who's never really had any formal training i've sort of like improvisation is is all i've really got so like to me it's one of those things where on the other side of it even though i'm not technically doing things right most of the time i have an intuition about what's what sounds right and what doesn't sound right and right. and the just doing has never been fearful or or anything but curious for me and probably to the pain of many other people but 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 ultimately it seems like what you're doing now is you're just you're basically saying here's an elemental linguistic framework that you can start to build upon that is to, the scaffolding towards and some sort of assurances out in this sort of uh, abyss that people call improvisation, right? Like here's some mm-hmm. some places to that you can always have a handhold to reality here. Right. Here, here's the thing: anything that you play in the book is going to work. You know, if you're playing a chord tone over a chord change that's in that chord change, it's going to work. So, getting them to understand again the the, the structures and the importance of those structures. You know, one of the things I say is I say you know. Imagine the human body with no bones. What's it going to look like? You know, it's going to be a blob. It's going to be a big mess with no definition on the floor. And that's what your solo is going to sound like if you don't have an understanding. <laughs> if you don't have an understanding of the structure that's behind the core change. You know, you can get a monkey to, to bang on a saxophone and put some wind through it. And every now and then you're probably going to hit a right note. Okay. But most of these students, the reason that they're fearful <clears throat> has nothing to do with improvisation. It has to do with, with them not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if, if you put a young person, like let's say you put a seven-year-old in a car, and you say, and you sit next to him, you say, come on, buddy, let's go for a drive. He's going to be like, what? You know, or she's going to look at you like you're mad. That's basically what we're asking them to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that it, it's impossible at first, you know? And so, and so here's the thing, Brian. Like, I think that you grew up in an atmosphere of creativity. I think that you grew up being encouraged um, to create. And there was, there was part of your family is very creative. And, and so I, I think that, that either that was, you know, innate in you, and uh, you were rebelling against something, or it was something that was surrounding you in some way that you gravitated towards, mm. you know? And so, you, you know, the almost 
I guess we've known each other almost 30 years, 25, 20, 25 years, something a long time. Yeah, you know, like the war, the, the warranty's way. I've been alive. Yeah, the war, the warranty's <laughs> way out. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but you've you've always been a, a, a very interesting, creative person, very intellectual, and also intellectual in your creativity, you know, and and very inspiring, I, I would say as well. Mm. And uh, because the way you go about it is unusual, and it's not a learned way of doing things. And so, so for people like you. And I've got students like you also that that mm-hmm. are like they're recording records, you know, like really great stuff, playing playing with like real like world known bands, and uh, but they're like, man, I'm having trouble making it through the changes. Like I, I want <laughs> right. I want more. I, I want to know more because here's the thing, it's all fundamentals, you know, and and in the way I kind of describe it is that. If you haven't worked on your fundamentals, you're you're going to one day, you're going to going to come to a wall, okay, and it's going to be as far as you can see in either direction, as high as you can look, and as deep as you can dig, okay, impenetrable. If you start working on the fundamentals and you get that stuff together, suddenly a door appears out of nowhere, it's unlocked and you walk through it, you know. And you look back and you and you realize, oh, the wall's gone. And then and you also and like as you're walking past the wall, you're looking at like the guy that's just like a puddle of skin next to you, and you're like, that guy, (laughs) he didn't appreciate structure. Yeah. Hey, somebody throw that guy a bone. He doesn't have any (laughs) bones. Throw that guy a bone. Oh, (laughs) wow. (laughs) That was next level. So Joe, like like, Joe, you're you're kind of a. you're an adventurer, right? I mean, because you do songwriting and traditional, Obviously. right? But you also <laughs> you've you've been you've been on the inside of it all and the outside of it all. So, like when Jeff's telling you all of this, you know, you having sort of knowledge of playing instruments and things, like what is what is it? Is is it something where you're you're immediately like, oh, you know, I've I've, I've met that wall a long time ago, and I just kind of pitched a tent and camped a fire, you know, like <laughs> no, I mean, I would or say, is it something that say, yeah, yeah, I would say that I would be like a kind of a bad student because I was somebody who, you know, what really you know started playing music in you know whenever when I was like nine or ten, whatever you are when you're like you know, get your first alto saxophone and go off to band class, you know, and I did that for a few years. And then I eventually just sort of came to two decisions. One decision was I actually want to play football. I don't want to play. I don't want to play saxophone while other people are playing football. And the other thing I learned was I don't really want to be in the band. I want to be in a band. (laughs) So then that's when music for me turned into, you know, trying like I wanted to keep playing my saxophone, but I started trying to learn how to play saxophone from listening to records and listening to songs and stuff. I started learning how to play guitar and all that kind of stuff and kind of, you know, did the thing that that a lot of kids do where they're not necessarily getting a whole lot of formal training at that point. They're just trying to learn how to play the things they like. And then for me, that led to songwriting and all this kind of stuff. So for me, it was a bit more of like, 
you know, sort of learning some of those very, very basic fundamentals of the earliest education that you could get on an instrument and then sort of rebelling against it. And then by the time I'm in college and I fall in love with jazz music, I'm like, God damn it. Like, why didn't I just like stick (laughs) with jazz when I was 11? Because I'd be like amazing now, you know, so (laughs) so so for me, it's like saxophone led me back into like loving jazz and stuff, even though I can't really do that stuff on my own saxophone so to speak but but it to me it it's sort of like uh it's sort of like you know sort of like that where like you know l- being able just to play what i wanted on my saxophone right. became the next thing i wanted to do on my sax and and it was really out of like frustration and rebellion that i started being like you know, I, I want to learn how to do this myself. I want to learn how to play the stuff I want to play. And, right. and, and like I said, if I had just waited a little bit longer, I could have tried out for jazz band and I, I would have gotten all the soloing I could have handled and I would have faced that mountain. But instead I've just sort of never bought that, you know, I didn't really keep going with the saxophone in the way that, that, that I had to challenge myself with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, so, so when this book is done, this is a great book for you. If this yeah. is something that, you're interested in because again this this brings you into it i mean there's work to be done once you understand how to do right. this but yeah. but but here's the thing man i think that that just from hearing you talk uh-huh. i i think that your passion lies in improvisation not right. just jazz but in improvisation mm-hmm. and and the word improvisation most people don't know this has a latin root of improvisus which translated means unexpected or surprise. Mm-hmm. And so even based on the painting that you're sitting in front of, uh-huh. <laughs> that, that you really love, mm-hmm. uh, enough to, to be seen in front of it, mm-hmm. okay, shows me that you're into the element of surprise, the element of mm-hmm. the unexpected, something unusual. Yeah, so it's sure. not necessarily the case that, that you know, you're wanting to play like all the things you are at a jam session or mm-hmm. on a record, but you want to understand how to connect your lines in a way to express yourself mm-hmm. through improvisation, through the unexpected or surprise, which can exist in any form and doesn't exist in any form of music. You know, even classical music. It used to be that all the cadenzas were were uh, improvisatory. Oh, that's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I was going to bring up, you know, just because of this, you know, subject is, you know, like, you know, talking about you know, people who've had a certain amount of formal training and they've been able to build up a certain knowledge and a certain capacity and ability. But then, you know, they see this this improvisational thing as some like a breaking away from that in a way and 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 like a freeze they freeze up because they're like, I don't you know, I'm so used to being told what to do and being shown what to play that suddenly I don't know how to just express myself within that. And I have seen that in, in classical people that I've played with, you know, I had worked with this cellist one time who was a very good cellist, had great, you know, great tone and everything, very good player played in a college symphony and all this kind of stuff. And when, and when she came to record some stuff on that record, we did, I basically was just walking her through it, kind of saying, well, these are the chords, you know, and this is the thing and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just go ahead and play on it with the way that I would with like one of our guitar player friends in East Nashville or something, you know, it's like, Hey, yeah, do your thing on top of this, you know, and, and, you know, guy does what they do, you know, and they're, and they're excited to do it because they're, they're used to filling in and doing their own thing. That's like the whole deal. Right. But, but this person who was, who was, you know, more classically trained and maybe didn't have as much improv background 
was like totally lost, like completely lost, right. didn't know right. what to do. And right. we ended up having just to sort of really walk through it little by little and really build a part up and, and kind of basically create a part that then she could play. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to just expressing herself over the bars, you know, three or four times and then we'll edit it later. You know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was not that simple to just come up with something for her. Well, and, and, and what you find too is a lot of times, Hey Brian, is it raining over there too? I mean, I know you're only like a half a mile away. No, but I bet it's coming. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, it's pouring over here. Nice. Oh wow. One of the other one of the other things. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. That's right. <laughs> now it's now it's now it's fucking raining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's glass shards in the rain. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a new thing. Who knows? It's raining glass. This rain is sponsored uh, by Dupont. Yes, right. That, that's yeah. over here in Old Hickory. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of instructors that won't allow their students to improvise. Mm-hmm. You know, they won't allow them to play jazz because it's a different accent. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's interesting. Like there are opera singers that won't allow their singers to sing jazz because it's a different accent. Yet you're asked to sing opera in Italian, German, French, ah, et cetera, et cetera. So you're learning different accents anyway. What's the accent then that they're really concerned about seeping into, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, it seems kind of cultural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does seem kind of cultural. That's yeah. saying it soft. Maybe we, don't, maybe, maybe we just, in the spirit of things, call it for what it is. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think we all know what it is. Yeah. yeah. But I think that they, you know, it's like even when someone says, oh, you know, do you play jazz or legit? like like classical music is considered legit people say that for real oh oh, they say it all the time yeah i'm I'm a legit i'm a legit sax player which is just kind of like this throw around term that people have used for years saying i'm a classical player and i'm like oh i I play legitimate music too (laughs) you know what i want to say is is what i want to say is oh yeah how much money did you make last year playing classical music legit music (laughs) you know And, but it's, you know, it's, it's offensive. It's offensive because, you know, we spend tens of thousands of hours working on, you know, legitimizing the way that we play also being authentic in the way that we, that we play music as improvisers Mm -hmm. and not just in one style either, you know? And so it's that authentic, it's the authentic thing that's so very challenging, you know? I mean, like I love Indian music. Like I love listening to Hari Prasad. I love listening to Zakir Hussain. I did a record called Dream Shanti last year yeah. uh, with a bunch of Indian musicians. It, it's really beautiful, you know? And uh, But I'll never be an Indian musician. I can study the music some, but I'll never have grown up in that culture. I don't understand how the language informs the way that it sounds, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so you're, you're always going to be parroting. You're always going to be feel like there's a right. disconnect, and it's never going to be fully right. like I'm fully resonating with this. But what's strange though is that the I feel like that I guess because we're American, right, and we've uh, co-opted so much, right? <laughs> or you know, blues feels more natural. Feel, blues feels more intrinsic to us, right? As opposed to carnatic yeah, it's a, it's, carnatic it's music, an American art form, right? Yeah, and, and so and, and so here's the here's the interesting thing for me, man, is that you know. Growing up, I wasn't like in a large culture of music. You know, black American music, that's the music that turned me on from the very beginning, mm. you know, and it still turns me on. And uh, like, I remember that, that 
My grandmother on my dad's side was from Nova Scotia. My mom's side is full Sicilian. Now, they didn't really bring any music over from mm. Sicily. But my grandmother and her sisters would play kind of this Cape Breton, Irish, Highlands kind of, kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it's, it's incredible. I've got like 30 cassette tapes of them playing. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Really fantastic, right? But I remember as a youngster, like, I was never enamored by it. I was never like, oh, I have to play that music. But when I would hear Aretha sing or Gladys Knight or Otis or Stevie Wonder, man, I just could not sit still. You know, I wanted to be a vocalist. So so for me, the saxophone became became my voice. That's that's what I was imitating. That's still what I'm imitating. You know? Yeah. That's still what I'm imitating to this day, man. So so the culture of black the culture of black American music which which is an amalgamation of of all these different musics that that came when when blacks were brought from Africa and South America and enslaved in this country out of the port of New Orleans they were able to get together they were allowed to get together one day a week and they brought their drums and their dance and their song and it became this gumbo if you will sure. of of New Orleans music you know the clave comes out of South America not Africa comes out of South America. Mississippi fife and drum music. Ofa Turner, you can trace that music back to northern Brazil. Mm-hmm. There's a great friend of mine, Carlos Malta, who has a group called Pife Moderno. And 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 you know, I told a number of years ago, it was 2009 when I was down there with Dave Matthews. My first trip down there with them. And I had met Carlos when I was down there with the Flectones two years previous. And so I got in touch and I said, we have to meet up. I said, I have to play you this music also, Hotha Turner. And uh, so I went to his place. I got a lesson also on playing some Brazilian music, some Pichinguinha, and uh, who was a, a brilliant uh, Brazilian composer, saxophonist, clarinet player. And so, so Carlos and I were talking, and, and I, said, uh, I said, there's this, this fife and drum musician in Mississippi named Hotha Turner. And Hotha was still alive at the time. And uh, so I, I, played some, <laughs> I played some of his music for Carlos, and he goes, bro, he's like doing this to his arms, you know. And he shows me, he's got, I get goosebumps right now, man, thinking about this, right? <laughs> right. And so he showed me, and like all his hair, and I don't know if you can see mine too, it's all <laughs> up on end, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, he's laughing, and, and, and he says, check this out. He plays me this old Brazilian woman. She's like in her 80s, playing Brazilian fife and drum music. That sounds exactly like Otha Turner, down to the sound of the field snare, but it's in Portuguese. Wow. That's And crazy. the difference with Otha is that Otha was singing spirituals. Mm-hmm. He was singing blues and spirituals, which was the music of America, which was the folk music that she was singing of northern Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and when the guys from Preservation Hall went to, to uh, Rio, I hooked them up with Carlos. I said, you guys have got to meet my friend. You know? And uh, Ben Jaffe, who, whose family owns Preservation Hall, he came back and I said, I said, I said how was it? He said, he said, bro, he said, he said, I knew that it was going to be eye-opening. He says, I didn't know it was going to be life-changing. You know, he says, I realized that the tambourine tradition of New Orleans is traced back to the Pandero in Brazil. He says, the rhythms these, these samba groups were playing was the same shit that we play with the Mardi Gras Indians mm-hmm. and the music that we play with Perez Hall, you know? He says, I, he says, I was, I was... He said it was a, one of the most deeply spiritual experiences he's ever had, you know? 
And so, so that music, of course, it resonates with us because that's what we've grown up around. That's the music that's familiar to us, you know? That's the music that, that we have an aesthetic, emotional connection to. And, uh, I have a question for you. Is, is I have found, in terms of just everyday listening to music, that while, you know, sort of since March and everything's kind of gone bonkers and, you know, I'm not sure how to look at it yet except for just sort of awful, but I feel like there's going to be some good things that hopefully come from it. But anyway, the, the ultimate situation that I've experienced is that some music sounds extra good and just, wow, you know, it's almost like uh, just some sort of boost or saturation to it or something. And then other things seem that I've previously enjoyed very much in the past feel very disconnected or very just like, as soon as I hear it, it's like, it's like, it's like all of a sudden something that used to smell good to you doesn't smell good anymore. It's like your senses on a basic level are, and maybe I've just been listening to a lot of shitty music and until this point just hadn't realized it. (laughs) But, uh, but I just didn't know if you guys had experienced anything like that where like your consumption or just sort of participation in listening to music has been sort of changed at all. Or is that just me? Go ahead, Jeff. Did Jeff freeze? I, I don't see him. Oh. I had a blank screen there for a second. Oh yeah, he froze. Well, anyway. Oh no. But I'll tell you. I'll tell you uh, if if there's any. Tell me yeah. to shut up if we need to do something. No, with Jeff. Fine. But but in the meantime, one of the weird things is I have not been listening to that much music. You know, for me, I listen to music a lot when I'm driving in the car. Yeah. And I have not been going anywhere. So <laughs> so my musical, you know, my musical consumption has been limited a bit. I have been listening to friends' music and stuff, like people that are you know putting out new albums and things like that. I've got an album pinned to my Twitter account right now my nephew just put out called bot culture really uh, he's in the motor city detroit based music uh subculture and he just put out an album with a friend of his so you know so things like that you know i'm, I'm interested in what my friends are doing with their music I've been working on some of my own music stuff and the i'd say the weirdest thing is that for some reason when we moved out here my wife has an old, you know, radio that has, it's got a radio and it also has a disc, I mean, a uh, compact disc player on top of it, right? So one of those things that for whatever reason, we didn't actually get rid of that when we moved and she put that in the kitchen and we'll put that on 6.50 a.m. one night so we could listen to the Grand Old Opry while we were making dinner. And it's been weird to listen to the Grand Old Opry because it's been, they still have been doing it, but they've been doing it without an audience. So they'll have these like, massive you know i mean historical like country stars performing live at the grand old opry and there's nobody there to clap or anything so it's been really kind of interesting to hear that but it also means that i'll go in there on a sunday morning and flip the radio on and it'll just be straight up mainstream country music and i'll listen to all this insane music (laughs) that's like cutting edge contemporary country from right now and <laughs> it is going? so weird yeah. to listen to that music and i never listened to any of that stuff mm. ever and it's just and so, so you're, just, you're saying just because this radio has been sort of newly 
yeah. dust, dust it off. You're like, oh, I'll just turn that on. And then whatever's yeah. on, it's just, I, it's, I, it's, it's, I it's, just sort of got yeah. into the habit. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because sometimes you'll throw it on on like a Sunday morning and it'll be like a old time country gospel show or something like that. So there's like some of the programming is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and some of it though is like totally not what I want to listen to, <laughs> but, but now I'm listening to it and I'm busy chopping up these onions. So I'm not going to change it. And this song is terrible, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of fascinating because to me it's, it's novel. You know what I mean? I don't, I, just like really this song is so bad people like this yeah, <laughs> so, i think that we've so it's it's yeah, been interesting yeah we've just been in such a uh spoiled place of absolute autonomy and choice now for so long right. with whatever we want and what what suits me right, right now and we just forget yeah, about totally. that's how we grew up you, there's three channels of tv it all sucks there's right. three stations they probably suck yeah you're, you're just gonna have to say I like Peter Frampton and like, that's yeah. my jam or like whatever. Right. Like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the menu's only going to be so big. You better pick a right. lane and you, you might, you might, it's either like Peter Frampton or banana Rama or, right. you know, you change it. And then it's like, you know, Lawrence Welk or whatever, you know, right. I don't know. You're just, that's part of what it is. I think is that, is that the radio only picks up, 650 and then it also picks up like a classic rock station called the jack so uh and they're both equally terrible in their own ways you know but but you'll sort of switch between awfulness as you're doing tests and there's something about it too where it's a different thing when you're when the radio is sort of dictating the next thing you're about to hear as opposed to putting in whatever it is that you want to listen to right at one point i did like bring down this whole crazy selection of of cds that i had discovered after we moved here stuff I had packed away for years and years and I'm like oh this is my deluxe bitches brew and it's like we're not going to keep a whole collection of CDs in the kitchen for you to listen to bitches brew while you're making spaghetti <laughs> so that didn't get very far but but I have a great I have a great box set of bitches brew <laughs> I, I, I think that well you, you, you were talking about Jack, Jack FM right that radio station yeah Brian can you hear Jeff I can Oh, I think I unplugged my headphones. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah I, just, okay. I just my headphones just barely popped out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jack FM. I was I was driving on the highway one day, and and I saw a billboard, and I I, I literally stopped on the highway, risked life and limb to get this photo because it said, <laughs> two reasons we don't take requests." Kenny G. <laughs> Swear to God. And I was like. I'll die for that photo if I must. <laughs> Man. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that, that, Brian, I think you bring up, bring up a good point that, that I think that, that sometimes, you know, we graduate into certain types of music and we graduate out of other types of music. You know, it's, it's I think food is that way sometimes also. I just think we get tired of the same old stuff after a while. And, and we desire, and, you know, not everybody, of course. You know, but for for people who are active in you know in creating um, music and other things, I think that our desires to listen for new sounds and new ways through, mm. I, I think it's important to recognize those things. And I think that they exist probably all the way through our lives. I mean, I don't know any musicians who have stopped growing, who have stopped listening, who have stopped advocating for that particular kind of growth yeah and, and 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 i find that now more through composition than anything else you know i mean i've i've played a lot of solos in my life and and you know i've had amazing opportunities to play with incredible incredible musicians 
And, you know, and that's not stopping, but I'm finding and have found for many years now a, a different appreciation through composition because it really informs how I hear music, my relationship with music. And, and, and I still, I just feel like I'm scratching the surface. You know, sometimes I'll write something, I'm like, man, this is killing. And I'll come back the next day and I'll be like, man, this really was killing. <laughs> <laughs> killing my groove, you know? <laughs> and uh, So I think a lot of times it's a change of perspective. It's, it's a change of emotional capacity. <clears throat> and I think sometimes it depends on, on, on where we are and what's going on. I mean, there are times that, you know, like like I'll put on some Indian flute music, put on some Hari Prasad, and I can I can literally, I can literally see the shapes of what he's playing. I can I can watch the music going by, and 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 I don't know that I have synesthesia. I don't I don't feel that I do, you know. But but I'm in tune enough with the music that I can understand. I can see the three dimensionality of it. Mm-hmm. I can understand that and and. You know, uh, I'll put on some Wayne Short or something or other, you know, and, and like hear the vocal nature of what he's doing. I remember one time we, we were out with the Flectones. It was in Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, and it was at SPAC. It was a big jazz festival, and we were all playing, and Herbie and Wayne were there. Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter were there. And we were hanging out, and, and, and we were talking about tone. And, and, and Wayne did one of these, you know. He's, he's like, he says, your tone... He says, your tone will take you to the future. <laughs> you know? And I remember another thing he was talking about, too. He said, you know, he said, he said, Tony says, you know, he says, the saxophone, he says, can be anything you want it to be. He says, it can be a saxophone, obviously. He says, but it can be a muted trumpet. It can be a human voice. It can be a cello, a French horn, you know? And then you listen. And I started listening to Wayne in a whole different way after that conversation. Huh. It was like, holy crap, that's what he's doing. You know, he's thinking of the entire orchestra when he plays the when he plays the saxophone. That's such I'll a be like, oh, yeah. Damned. He's like shape shifting, and he's he's got a. You could so now you can envision yep. him as you, as you're watching the music go along, or 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 whatever your condition is. You, you said you know that. So what you're saying is that he, once you understand that, then it's obvious it's going to retroactively change how you go back and listen to anything that he's ever done because that's been yep. like something he's been building on for whatever yep. 55 years or whatever it's been right right yeah and, and like for example like if you don't know this this is going to change the way you listen to this next person david sanborn okay played on thousands of records you know was it was a huge 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 musical star for such a long time and he's what in his mid-70s now i guess you know still at it still creating and so his sound, the sound of, of like the way that he breaks that F sharp, you know, that, that A concert on, on the alto sax, that high note, he gets that, that like triple tone of that. It comes from Stevie Wonder's harmonica. Mm. So he, he played with Stevie for a little while, apparently. And so he was trying to emulate Stevie's sound on harmonica on the alto saxophone. Huh. And so when you listen to him play... You're like, oh my God, it's Stevie Wonder's harmonica. Wow. And so go like, back and listen to any like early 70s Sanborn oh. stuff. And you'll hear it, man. It's like one of those That's things too where like, yeah, you, now you can't unhear it. Right. 
We were right. just talking about Sam. Bur- we were talking about Sun Ra the other day, and I was saying uh-huh. the first time I'd actually heard Sun Ra was on David Sanborn's old night music oh, show night music, yeah. back in the '90s, and he was that was such a rad show. And that's really how I found out about him as well. I'm like, well, who's this yeah. cat with the horn? You know what I mean? And yeah. he's and he would play with everybody on the show, and they had such great guests on that show because it would be you know the everybody from somebody like Sun Ra who's like off in his own galaxy to you know contemporary pop artists would be on there so it was, right. it was that was a great show for connecting dots of a different kind mm-hmm. absolutely hey. yeah and, and it was cool because because here's the thing with that show which was very groundbreaking in my opinion some of it worked and a bunch of it didn't mm-hmm. you know but they were willing to they were willing to go there they were willing to explore and and through those connections and through those explorations other magical stuff happens for sure you know and so here's the thing man like if you stop exploring it's over it's over you know it's just over there's no other way to put it it's over and so as artists as creative people we have to continue to explore we have to continue to advocate for our own imagination and others be inspired by the stuff that 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 we see in the world, my my two screens right now. I'm going to show you talking about inspiration. Okay, this is one of the places I find inspiration. Okay, it's a beautiful like in a, from a plane, right? And of course, now we have donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Either way is a path to the center <laughs> of it all. Okay. <laughs> They're both colorful and they both make me happy. <laughs> Yeah, so, that's great. So, so Jeff, we got we got two more things we have to get to. One of them first, I, you know, as you know, we talk a lot. We're is involved. In, Mercedes Benz sponsor. Is this yeah, where, it's where, t- is, I, this I, where we get the new car. Yeah, I couldn't really slide it in too easily, like in a graceful seeming. Like I couldn't right. segue yeah. nicely into it. I'm sorry. Uh, Check under your chair, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how'd you guys do that? That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, Oprah has nothing on y'all. Hey, listen, listen. When I was, when I was, when I was, when I turned sixteen, you know, I was really convinced that I was going to get some sort of like a beater sort of car. You know, like I, I, you, you, a lot of, you know, middle, lower middle class kids would get. You know, you're you expect like the car. The your parents get like a new, not as shitty car, and then they give you their completely shitty car or whatever. Right. It's not like <laughs> I need. I'm not asking for a Mercedes. I don't. You know. But I'm just kind of like, I feel like, you know, I should get a car and I don't know. So then 16th birthday comes, we have the cake, we do all the things and there's this collective sort of tension. You can tell that they're kind of all snickering and sort of giggling about something uh, that I don't know. And so I feel like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. And I'm trying to play it cool. We finished the cake and everything. And they're like... So, you know, Brian, there's, there's one more thing, you know, it's one more thing. And I'm like, oh, really? They're like, they're like, look in the, like in the bowl that's like in the center of the table, whatever. And I go and I look in the bowl, the center of the table. And there's like, like one of those cheap, like keychains has like your wooden cutout name, first name on it. You get like at the fair or whatever, you know, yeah. so this is just Brian. It was like a wooden keychain that said Brian and it had a key on it, but it wasn't a car key. They're like, it's just a keychain. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I didn't get a car. I got a keychain. <laughs> That's brutal, man. Oh, I've got more stories. I've got more stories. Uh, there was one time where I took, I was in the spelling bee in sixth grade and, you know, I was pretty short as imagine, as you can imagine, I was pretty not tall. And 
they called me out to spell my first word and I walked out to get behind. This is the school spelling bee. I won the class spelling bee. Now I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to the school spelling bee. I'm in the big auditorium. They call me my first word. I come out, there's a podium there and I go to get behind the podium and I just disappeared behind it. And then the whole student body, the whole class, the whole school, the whole auditorium just busted out into like fit of, of laughter. And then like the ladies like scrambling to go get the, like the fold folding, like sort of tumbly mats where they have like side stage or whatever. She's like rushing those out there, folding them like an accordion trying to, they got them here. I'm like standing up all sort of buoyant behind the podium. Everybody's laughing at me. I won, I, I won the spelling bee, but, and the winning, did you have to spell buoyant? No, but the winning word was uh, the winning word was uh, opaque, I believe. But uh, I'm not trying to brag here. You know, I'm not still bitter this about it. This podium is opaque. Look, I mean, this was this. It would be ridiculous for me to still be upset about that. This is 1984. I mean, come on. <laughs> but no. but you know, thinking back, man, it probably was really funny watching you disappear behind the podium. Yeah, it was just like. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> but so See, that's, that's the unexpected man that's the improvisational part of it that's the stuff that people remember you know yeah it's, it's like it's, the unexpected the surprise <laughs> you know connect the dots give me something to stand on no but, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, but my question is this like uh you know you've done you've played with you know all the luminaries of music you've played every venue in the world you've done all the things okay and I don't want to hear about like oh I've got bigger dreams. I'm sorry. You, you've you've you're in the stratosphere, <laughs> and this is you should you know that's this is good. This is good. You're good. But my point is this: you have to have some moment that is just the absolute most mortifying failure of all time. Whether we're like playing with Bela or Dave or one of your gigs or something. But there's got to be like a high profile situation or something where you wildly failed or were led to some sort of existential dread because of something that happened. And we want to hear about it. <laughs> uh, we call them oh shit moments. Yeah. Well, there have been a number of them, you know. It's interesting, man, because like I kind of I kind of look at those things as just part of the process. Sure. You know. And I think I can mention this, you know, on this show. I have a bucket that I bring with me everywhere. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, <laughs> but but it's with me always, and and it's it's an imaginary bucket. It's a bucket of fuck it. And so when something happens, I just reach in and, and I let it go. I'm like, you know, and I and I release it. And it's been very helpful. I'm I'm giving you guys one for for you know having me on the podcast. Uh, it's right next to you, by the way. So it's it's with you now, nice. and uh, and you get to use it at any moment in your life. And uh, so I've shared that with with a lot of people along the way and so so I, I i don't i don't get too mortified about things anymore maybe i should but but i realize that it's all kind of you know it's just music at the end of the day really but i do remember i do remember one time we were playing the dave matthews tune satellite which is a very well-known tune and uh, one of the hits if yeah, you will that's right <laughs> and so so, you know, the violin, this is when the violin player is still with us, and the violin comes in, and I come in on the next line, then Rashawn, the trumpet player, comes in after that. So I start playing like a whole other partial, you know, like a whole other, like I'm playing the wrong shit, basically, <laughs> right? And I'm playing it, and I'm just thinking, something doesn't sound right. And, 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 and I see Rashawn kind of look at me, 
like this, like from the side, and I'm seeing him peripherally, and I'm thinking, it's me. <laughs> and, and I look towards Dave, and he's got it turned around. He's got this malicious grin on his face, like he's loving it. You know, he's like, ah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing wrong? What am I, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Like, I haven't, like there's, there's no part of me that's thinking what I'm playing is wrong. <laughs> you know? But I'm just thinking, like, boy, shit just doesn't sound right. <laughs> It's like it's like the equivalent of like walking out of the bathroom with toilet paper stuck to the back of your pants or something. Yeah. Where you're just like, what is yeah. everybody what is everybody looking at? What's the problem? Right, right. Oh, and so God. that was you know that was you know that was one of certainly many moments along the way. So, you know. I, I know you have much worse stories, but we're not going to drill for them right now. We'll have you back. But uh, so, <laughs> that's that's really good. My other thing, real quick, is you know we talk to a lot of fighters and coaches and uh, people in the mixed martial arts world, media, uh, a lot of very interesting people from all over the world, writers, and a lot of the creative sort of uh, sphere that surrounds that world. And you know, yesterday, for instance, it was I guess the four uh, four year anniversary of Muhammad Ali's death. And I was attending a, a, a panel with uh, our friends at American University who had a lot of people who had written books about Ali and all this to sort of come together and reflect. It was a very interesting conversation until we were Zoom bombed by uh, Nazis or whatever, but another story. It was an amazing conversation. And then I re- realized that uh, you had this story that I saw about your interaction and your opportunity to meet Muhammad Ali. And I didn't know if you wanted to share that. Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I think because like, it was interesting because I saw the post yesterday, which I guess corresponded to his birthday. Mm-hmm. There was also, you know, talk of, of, you know, how he fought against racism and bigotry and persecution. And so all these these things seem to be kind of uh, encapsulated in the story that I had had shared online. I came up and I shared it again either yesterday or today. I can't remember which, to be honest with you. But yeah, so so I was in Louisville. We had the day off. You know, we had a gig that night with Matthews, and we were playing at the at the baseball stadium. And my uncle was living in Louisville at the time; he was working there, and so he had the day off. It's funny, actually, he just appeared on my on my screen right behind uh, right behind the camera, and on both screens. Well, that's weird. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so he said, "Well, let's go to the museum," you know, and and uh, so we took the afternoon off and. And, and, and we went, and so we were about 35, 40 minutes into walking through. There was nobody there. It was like a Tuesday afternoon or something. And there were maybe three or four people in the, in the entire place. Suddenly, this, this young African-American kid comes running through, lanky, just like booking. Like, he, he doesn't even know where he's running to. He's just like, he's here. He's here. The champ, he's here. He's here, right? And, like, I look at my uncle. And I was like, Ali is here? Right. And, wow. and, and we knew he was ahead of us because the kid was running from the other direction, you know. So we walked back like we re- retraced our steps to the beginning of where the tour starts. Sure enough, man, there's Ali with his handler, like sitting and watching this documentary at the beginning of the tour. So, you know, there was nobody else in there. We waited till it was over <clears throat> and uh, struck up a conversation. And uh, we said, you know, is, is he OK with signing? Are you OK with signing stuff? And, you know, and he wasn't talking much because he was, you know, he was on that medication for, for Parkinson's. And, and he said, you know, he said, Ali is happy to sign stuff. The champ is happy to sign stuff. And I said, well, man, I said, all I have right now in this moment is this laminate. I said, maybe you'd sign the back of it, you know. 
He looks at me and he says, he says, hey, champ, he says, remember that band I was playing you on the way over here? Mm-hmm. He says, this guy plays saxophone with that band. I was like, mm-hmm. come on, man, really? <laughs> and uh, so, so, so I run down, like, I run downstairs. My uncle and I go downstairs to the gift shop. And <clears throat> I got two things. I got, like, a little little postcard. And I bought a pair of gloves. Like, they had one pair of gloves that uh, it wasn't even, like, a new player. Like, they had some blemishes on it or something. And uh, I said, I want those. And so I had Ali sign both of the gloves and, and the postcard. And uh, my uncle got, like, a, like a lithograph uh, or something and, and had him sign that. And it was nice as it could be. And so, it, and so I said, well, look, I said, you know, if you guys are interested, I said, we're doing a sound check over at the park around three, you know. And I said, I know the band would love to meet Ali. And so I, you know, I, I, I gave his handler my information. And I said, you know, if you want to come by, I said, call me, text me, whatever. And sure enough, man, they came by. Mm. Wow. It's crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. Crazy. You know, <laughs> that's one of those and, things uh, too. Where you didn't have to check ahead. Like, look, well, let me call Dave and see <laughs> if it's okay if Muhammad Ali drops by. Right. Yeah. Just to make sure. It was a trip, man. And uh, do you remember Andy Scheinman from Bongo Java? Yeah. Remember Andy? So Andy's a huge boxing fan. Mm-hmm. And like, like, I told him about this, and he was beside himself, man. Like, he just couldn't believe it. So I gave him the postcard one day. Oh, that's great. I bet he I loved called that. him up and, and I said, "Hey, man!" I said, "I said I got something for you," and uh, because he's got memorabilia all over the place, man, it, right. it, it, it brought him to tears, man. Wow, you know, and because Ali was his guy, you know, mm. and but I haven't talked to Andy for years, man. But what a sweet human being. Yeah, Bray Cat. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a while either. I think, I mean, as far as I know, he's still in Nashville, but I haven't talked yeah. to him. In a while. Yeah. Well, now we have a call to action for 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 anybody listening on the podcast or watching. It's like we got to find this guy, Andy yeah. Scheib. He's around. We got to find him. Andy? Yeah. Well, so we should probably get it get it wrapped up wrapped up here. But uh, Joe, do you have any things that are going on that you want to uh, mention, or anything you want to get off your chest, or anybody you want to scream at or call out, or anything like that? I guess the only thing I would want to say is I do. You know, if you all are in Nashville, you might know that I do a column for the scene every month where I talk about what's happening at the the art crawl on the first Saturday of the month, which is going to be this. You know, this coming Saturday. That column is in the scene this week, but we found out yesterday morning that the virtual art crawl, which has been like a a video that they've been posting uh, to the Nashville Gallery Association's YouTube page, Mm -hmm. that's a a lot of complicated stuff, but the virtual art crawl has actually been pulled off. Everybody decided they didn't want to post videos after this week Mm -hmm. with all the, you know, with all the protests and all the trouble with the, you know, cops and national guard attacking people and everything else and just all the chaos and the the burning of the courthouse downtown it's just it's been a wild time and so all the galleries decided just to put a pause on this month so so anyway, this is just another opportunity for me to let people know that, you know, I'm all over the newspaper talking about it this month, but unfortunately we weren't able to pull the print before we were put out a retraction yesterday saying, oh, wait a second, it's all canceled. So there is no virtual art crawl this month, unfortunately, but, you know, find find something else to do this Saturday uh, evening, maybe maybe listen to some some great improv jazz. Maybe listen to uh, our guest. Where's Where's the best place for us to hear your music, Jeff? If people want to listen to to uh, some of the stuff you've done or listen to some of the artists you played with, sure. I mean, everything's on Spotify or Apple Music, and your yeah. label as well. Yes, Ear Up Records. Yeah, 
and earuprecords.com. So earuprecords.com. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. But you can also check out the itastudiostreams.com website, which has got video and from all the studio streams that we've done here. There's a bunch of different stuff, you know. Killer. Yeah. You said so. You said ear up records. Ear up records. I I, I had a flashback of being at. Do you remember SOBs in New York City? The is it a club? Yeah. Yeah. SOBs in New York City. I saw Ayrton Moreira and Flora put him there, and yeah. he was telling the audience. I'm sure it was one of his bits that he did at every one of his gigs, right? But he was like telling people how to pronounce his name. He was like. I, ear, toe. <laughs> I, ear, toe. Never forgot it. And then I had the building blocks to connect the dots to be able to say his name without yeah. overthinking it, and it just flowed out. See? Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> Fundamentals, Brian. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. But Jeff, really, thanks a lot, man. And, and let's, we'll, we'll do a stick around uh, a five-minute little post-hang here for a minute while I just shut, yeah. shut the... the world streaming machine down but hey man thanks for everybody for listening as well and we appreciate all the 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 listeners and the shout outs and all the things and and we hope you enjoyed this and get around for the next one you'll find out soon what it is but we're not going to tell you right now but joe's got something set up that we're very excited about and by the way if you didn't check out last week we talked to wayne white that was incredible i mean we're talking about like influential sort of people that have imprinted consciousness and art i mean the guy did peewee's playhouse set design and and informed all of our child brains that we still try to run around with and do things so i got some more good news for you after we get off here okay great so we were not going to share the good news with anybody listening we were going to take the good news offline we dole it out like breadcrumbs (laughs) come crawling back next week and maybe we'll tell you something (laughs) all right so anyway so that's that's the show art Art fight podcast number 92 or 93 i don't even remember but we're we're coming up on 100 joe so we'll talk about that but anyway we'll do a little outro screen here and then when i act normal in the camera you'll know that we're done all right appreciate it all cheers jeff thank you brother Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone